Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am one of your hosts, Miss Melmore. I'm your other host, Mr. Craigers. Yes, he is. And today is episode 82, the first of 2021. Wow. We, we did it. it. We did it. You all did it. Congrats. Snaps for everybody. Snaps for everybody. Even And if you made it through this first week of 2021, extra congrats. Damn. Extra snaps and um, extra claps. Yes. Uh, and to celebrate us all making our way through it, um, we decided to kick off the new year with a look at what's to come. Uh, quick look back at, at, at what's been, as uh, anyone who follows us on Twitter will have seen that we posted our top 20 of 20. 20. Yeah. 2020 um, of our sort of top 20 horror movies um they would not have been the same if everything that was supposed to come out had come out so that'll be part of what we look at as we look at horror for 2021 and we look ahead to hopefully by the end of this year being able to watch films in theaters again and with each other and this sorts of good stuff i miss that so much mm -hmm. The last I, movie I saw in theaters. I was just going to ask you. What was it? I think it was Parasite. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Which... So did you see... Did you see... Oh, yeah. You saw that in 2020, but before the Oscars. Yes. I saw it late because I just... That's how it worked out. Um, I yeah. saw it in one of those, like, tiny-ass, like, little artsy theaters that was, like, still showing it late into... Or early 2020, late into its run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was the last movie I saw in theaters. That's funny that it was a 2019 movie. I know. <laughs> that tells you how good I was being about... Uh, because before that, I think the last thing I saw in theaters was Knives Out. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, great choice, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I don't hate the last things I saw in theaters uh, yeah, in 2020. No. I left with a good vibe. <laughs> you did leave it. That's a good vibe. Yeah. I think... I think the last movie I saw in theaters was Invisible Man. Invisible, yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Watch that on the streams. Um, or maybe... No, yeah. No? I think the Hunt came out before that, I think. So, oh my yeah. god, I still need to watch The Hunt, which obviously, like, that wasn't, it wasn't on my list because I haven't seen it. Um, I'll pitch it. Because that can't... <laughs> you should. Because um, I remember it was supposed to come out, I think, or it was out around the time that quarantine happened because I remember seeing yeah. posters for it like on the closed shuttered apocalyptic looking theater by my apartment which I feel like is extra creepy because the posters for the hunt is, is mm -hmm. so like text heavy and it doesn't really show you anything from the film anyway yeah. yeah it's just quotes of people talking about how terrible of a movie it is yeah and so like there's something yeah yeah, I distinctly remember that when I would, like, walk to, like, go pick up my takeout or whatever, I'd pass this movie theater, and that um, poster was outside. Yeah. So. But, yeah. But, yeah. Weird shit. Weird shit. Definitely weird shit. But, hey, statistically, as of the recording of this podcast, for every 100 people out there, 2.5 of them have been vaccinated. That's pretty good. Yeah, we're getting there, slowly but surely. Yeah. Our uh, good friend of the podcast, Miss Colleen, has gotten her first dose as she a hospital worker. Dope. 
Friend of the podcast, my mom has gotten her yes, first dose. Yes, exciting. <laughs> Somewhat friend of the podcast, my mom has gotten her first dose. Hey, see? So it's happening. So it's, it's... as I said, statistically. <laughs> statistically, people's moms have gotten first dose. Yes. <laughs> people's moms and Colleen. People's moms and Colleen. I've um, gotten their Pfizer and Moderna. And that's exciting news. No, that is. Every time somebody posts a picture or what have you, it's just, it's a drop in the bucket, but it's a drop in the right bucket. Exactly. It's a drop in a bucket that we will take and that we hope fills up very fast. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I completed that metaphor very well. It's fine. But But listen, it's been a rough week. It's been, and the funny thing is, is in therapy at the beginning of the week, I was like, I literally said to my therapist, So I think this week's going to be a little bit of like a 2020 hangover just with everything that's happening this week between like the runoffs and the electoral college stuff. And then like my mom was getting vaccinated last week at the end of the week. So I was like, once I get through this week, I will feel firmly grounded in being 2021. And boy, I mean, yo, did it not disappoint my expectation of it being a shit show? No. No. And I feel as though a lot of us were kind of prepped, right? Mm-hmm. We were like, listen, the stroke of midnight on January 1st doesn't instantly change everything. No. It feels good, but look at all these five things that are happening right after it. Right. Right. So, you know, we're still kind of like, okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, listen, the guy I've been referring to as Buffalo Bill got arrested. Yeah. They were able to identify him. Um, podium um, man podium man um which, it's, which is good like no I know yes be arrested it <laughs> like it's been so long since wednesday we're recording this on sunday you guys will be listening to this at the end of the week yeah. so even longer but like that it's only been a couple of days and so many of them have been identified is good yes yes and i last time i checked there was like over 70 arrests so where consequences are happening not as fast or as well as they should be and there's a lot to pick apart in what happened but we're not that kind of podcast there is yeah we're not the kind of podcast <laughs> we are not experts makes- and we'll leave that to the experts um no. and that being said if people if you need someone to talk to yes. about how you're feeling about it like we're here feel free to email mm-hmm. or dm us Yes. Um, and we can fully we, here to, to be your friend. Yeah, absolutely. This um, is but going to let the voices that need to speak. Exactly. Do the We're talking. not the ones that need to speak on it on air. Yes. Yeah. Instead, we will speak on air about some horror, some, some fake fictional horror, some fictional horror, which is the only kind of horror we stand on splash. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Miss Mel, like, should we should we take a look at um, some 2020 stuff? I mean, sure. I have. You, know, our... you were saying obviously we both put up our lists mm-hmm. um, on New Year's Eve, and I think what we thought was kind of cool is that um, we sh- had some shared titles, but our lists definitely weren't copycats of each other. No. And it was interesting because there were a few where I was sure I was like, Oh, he's going to have this pretty high. And then it was like, specifically it was like a lot of Yorona. 
I was like, oh, mm-hmm. he'll have this pretty high. And it like didn't even crack your top 10. <laughs> but I had it as my second one. Yeah, it's really, it's, um, I speak so much to like, despite obviously how weird last year was and how um, much got derailed, there was still such amazing horror that came no, out. No, there was year. a ton of, and a lot of it too was, I think, even stuff that A, was going to come out anyway. And B, was designed to be on four streaming platforms. Um, Yeah. Like, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was specifically written to be streamed, like The Babysitter 2 and Black Box, which was on my list. Um, And uh, I'm thinking of ending things and, you know, so many others. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and because streaming was the only option, mm-hmm. I feel like so many of these films got a lot more attention than they maybe really normally would have. Um, I mean, you and I are pretty good about keeping up with what's going on in the horror community. And a lot of people listening to this probably are. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there were a lot of more casual fans that were watching these kinds of movies they normally wouldn't have last year because mm-hmm. they would have maybe just had their attention diverted by what was being released theatrically. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I saw a lot of people who um, were like, wow, this is a movie I never would have watched before, but like now it's in my top 10 and now I've subscribed to Shudder. Or yeah. now I've like, I'm really going to like pay attention to indie horror or streaming Which, horror. I had a friend who was like, can I borrow your Shudder login? <laughs> Which Shudder, if you're listening, it's okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, like people who was like, you know, like I had friends who was like, do you have recommendations for like horror movies or like what have you? Um, and I feel like Midsommar had a weird like renaissance. Yeah. I which partially think... may have been facilitated by the Oscars because it got kind of a few shout outs at the Oscars. Um, but yeah, I feel like I suddenly saw a lot of people like sharing like Midsummer content, like knowingly, like they knew what they were, right. like it wasn't just like passing along the meme. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I feel like I definitely had coworkers um, this past year that have, like knowing that I'm really into horror, have been like, so Midsummer and like, <laughs> so hereditary. Yeah. And... I'm like, yeah, I've definitely had several conversations about those movies and like one or two where people have been like, so what should I watch next? And I'm like, let me tell you. Right. I had a friend who watched Blind Manor, um, had never seen really, she hadn't really watched a ton of horror. She definitely hadn't watched any um, Mike Flanagan or anything like that. Loved Blind Manor, went back and watched Hill House was like, oh my god, that was even better than Blind Manor. And I was like, yes. Um, and then was like, yo, send me like everything. Like everything that I should watch ever. So I was like, okay, here we go. A convert! Yeah. So uh, um, that has been pretty fun. That's really exciting. Um, my good friend and Miss Bell's friend, you know her as well, uh, Karen. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> Actually. She texted me just the other day about what my favorite Stephen King book was. And this was super unusual. Karen is not, uh, uh, she's, she's, Karen one time watched a 
no sound version of Twister at a restaurant we were at was very succinctly correct with the plot and then like oh, became yeah. obsessed with that movie for two weeks. Obsessed with it. Obsessed with it. And I think people now listening will understand the kind of person she is. Yes. So yeah, so that was a very like strange question to get from her. Um, and so I told her that uh, my favorite was The Shining. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said she was going to try it um, because her husband had actually just read it and she read a small section of it and was really, really intrigued. Mm-hmm. And basically she was just like, I don't know why at this stage of my life, I'm like really into horror right now. Maybe it's, it's the so postpartum. <laughs> and I was just like, I was just like, my time has come. I've waited my entire life through Finally, our friendship. Yes. And so we kind of had a conversation about like why um, a lot of people got really into horror in 2020, like as a genre, reading it, watching it. Um, and I was just like, this is the moment I've been waiting for, like, Karen, like I have so many recommendations. My sweet summer child. (laughs) My sweet summer child, come with me. Let me show you. Let me take you into this world. Um, so. That's interesting. I haven't, I haven't checked, but I think she's going to give The Shining a try, which is, uh, gateway horror for a lot of people. No, it is. I remember there was a kid when I was working in the bookstore one day, came in with his parents to tell me that he had permission to get a Stephen King book. (laughs) And he was like 13 and they were like, which one should he get? Like based A on scariness and sex and blood and all that. And I basically ended up going with The Shining because I was like, it's a classic. It's not super racy or anything like that. It does deal with some, you know... Difficult domestic topics. Um, yeah. The kid was fucking jazzed. Yeah, um, but there's no, like, fucking or, like... Yeah, no, there's no, like, there's... Yeah, like, amongst his stuff, it's among the more tame in that department. But um, it's funny, though, because um, in the fall, we had, like, a, a sort of, um, like, outdoor drinking porch night with people. Yeah. Um, it was very cold, which was nice because it was like, ooh, chilly fall night. And we made like hot cider and we were sitting yeah. with people um, who Charlotte goes to law school with. And one of them's from Maine and was like, I've never read Stephen King, but I feel like I need to because I'm from Maine. It was a whole thing. So I was like, okay, like, how can I, what can I do for you? <laughs> <laughs> so I gave her, because she was like, okay, well, what's set in Maine? And I was like, all right, well, here's what's set in Maine versus wider New England versus like the Colorado books right. it's almost easier to ask what's not said in Maine yeah um so she was in the midst of law school so I'm waiting for because she was like okay I'm gonna ask you for probably I'm guessing probably this summer because their semester is about to start soon but um I was like I'm fully prepared lady to like just lavish this on you yes that's like the, the, that's what we thrive off of you mm-hmm. know like yeah yes we will give you like uh with your where to start guide. Um, we even have an episode about that. I think we do. We do. Um, and you know, what's interesting is I recall back when all this first went down, um, there was like some headline that was like, Stephen King apologizes that you feel like you're in a Stephen King movie. So I feel like that was kind of like a big, um, push for people was like the just crossover of horror and apocalypse, like is a very Stephen King specific topic. Yeah, um, and I think that caught a lot of people. Okay, well, well, speaking of, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have CBS All Access, but are you watching The Stand? Um, 
I'm not watching the stand. Charlotte does have it because we got it to watch the national women's soccer team. For, or not the national women's soccer team, just the NWSL. Um, right, right, right. It's all very gay um, over the summer. And then we were like, let's just keep this because there's like a lot of good shit on here. Mm-hmm. So yes, and that, I was like, what, because we're about to finish The Americans, so we were like, what drama should we watch next? The Stand. The Stand. No, I'm excited. Um, I love that book. That book is incredible. Which is funny because this woman in law school who was like brought, she's like, isn't there one about a plague? And I was like, I'm not going to give that to you as a starter because it's like 1,800 pages. (laughs) It's so long. And there's Um, a lot of like... Stephen King extended universe stuff going on. Like, I need you, like, you need to just baby steps. Yeah, that's not a, um, that's not where you start with him. No, but it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites too. I have lots of thoughts about the, the new limited series so far. Okay, well, I will watch it and we will. Yeah. Tip tap. We will definitely have to. Most of them good. Mm Mm-hmm. Some, some I was okay with the cast. Things. I enjoyed the cast choices they were making. Cast is great. Um, Alexander Skarsgård is a very subtle and creepy version of Randall Flagg, mm-hmm. which is an interesting choice and works really well. Owen because Tilly. I feel like he was so big in the in the book and in, in the movie exactly. too. He's like just very like a character. Yeah. He's very character, but Skarsgård does it. Um, much quieter which is almost more effective mm-hmm. um, and also and, of course he does <laughs> yeah and uh owen teague is another standout mm-hmm. he's playing harold yes um and he is he's killing it it's mm-hmm. such a brilliant performance um for people listening he played patrick hockstetter in it the most oh it. yes i feel like i do recall seeing him on the he did a good yeah. job he did a, he did a great job as patrick he's doing a great job as harold and um they've got like you know i mean harold is essentially an incel yeah um but he's also one of the driving voices he was of, so creepy in the book he's so creepy in the book and they're doing it perfectly in the limited series this is so. exciting this is this is what i needed was something to watch because we were like we're ending the americans like we're almost caught up on the crown like we need drama in our lives. yeah you need something you need something like that now not everything is great they're telling the story out of order which i am not a huge fan mm-hmm. of um i think it would work way better chronologically mm-hmm. um i also think you should just do the stand as like Five seasons. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where it's like, listen, just fucking go for it, you know? Just fucking go for because it. Because I do feel like, and this is something I felt both as a reader and as a writer, is that the way Stephen King will spend 20 pages telling you the backstory of a character who fucking never shows up again. <laughs> right. Is, like, so enjoyable, though. Yes, it's one of my favorite things about how he writes. Like, I, I, I thought about it so much when I read, I don't know if you read The Outsider, um, yeah, but that another intro, brilliant adaptation too on HBO. Yes, I did watch that and I enjoyed that a lot. Um, but the the intro that he does, like in the scene where he gets arrested at the baseball game, and he does this like three page intro on the fucking kid like throwing the pitch, and we never see this kid again. I don't even. Nope. I could not even tell you his name, but like we learned so much about his goddamn like childhood. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. before he goes to throw a pitch and then the game gets stopped because the coach is getting arrested and the story continues. And it's so brilliant to me. I think mm-hmm. it's brilliant because it enhances the moment of the arrest so much more mm-hmm. because now we like we're in the eye and the mind of this kid. We understand him. And so it's so much more impactful Yeah. that when the, when the little league coach is arrested yeah. for rape and murder. Yeah. Like, no, I think he, he just has such a way of like pulling the POV to where it needs to be and just immersing you in it. Yeah. And then, you know, because then, then that becomes horror. Like, that's like a very normal, almost like, you know, police procedural scene, but it turns yeah. into like just, you know, upheaval. Um, yeah, something far more terrible. But yeah, no, I love that shit. <laughs> good old Steve. Good old Steve. Stevie. But uh, <clears throat> no Stephen King adaptations this past year. No. Now, right. and here's so no, and you know what's funny is so here's the thing is that I've been waffling between just sucking it up and finally watching Doctor Sleep or reading the Ooh. book and watching it. And you know, because I have the book, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> it's staring. It's at back you. there. And you know, it's so funny because I I think we've had this conversation, but maybe we haven't. I love the movie. Yes. No, it looked hard. incredible in the... Tra- I watched the trailers because I had known enough about it to be like, I feel like I can watch the trailers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, I love Mike Flanagan. I, so. Right, Mike Flanagan. He crushed it. Um, I, I think it was my... I put it as my second favorite movie. Of no, you did. You did when we did this um, last year. Yeah. And looking back... I don't think I realized how much I like was fine with the book. And I'm like, Oh, I actually think this is one of the things where the movie is better. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So see, now that makes me want to read the book and then be like, okay. Cause I feel like if I watch the movie and then go back and read the book that like, I don't. Right. So I was going to say, I don't know if that complicates your decision. No, I think it helps. I think it, I think it helps. Um, and my plan this winter was to finally finish Dark Tower (laughs) with those Ah. beautiful additions you got me to match that one that I stole from my brother-in-law. Um, well, (laughs) he was fine with it. It's funny because he does like Stephen King, but like they randomly got him Wolves of the Kala, like. As if, like, he had the others. Oh, that's right! Yeah! Like, I think whoever bought it, like, didn't know what it was and was just like, here's a pretty Stephen King book. Right, look at this! And it's like, oh, oh, this is actually the fifth book in the only series he's ever done. Yeah. But, but, yeah, so, no, I I feel like I'll I'll be down to give that a try. I did just get... I can reach it with my headphones. I ordered it. You read through Wolves of the Collar, right? I have not read Wolves of the Call yet. Oh, okay. So you have to do I read, the last one I read was the, um... Wizard of Glass? Yeah, the Wizard of Glass, which I really liked. I know a lot of people didn't. Like, I know a lot of people dropped off the series when they read that, but I really fucking enjoyed it. Um, That extended flashback is, like, amazing. No, I thought it was great. I just, it just arrived. I got, um, What Happens at Night, 
Oh, have you started it? I have not. It literally oh. came to well, not today because there's no post on Sunday, but uh, <laughs> no post on Sundays. So it came like yesterday, um, but I just grabbed it from the uh, package room. Nice. Very excited to read this. Yeah, that's um looks creepy as shit. That looks really creepy, and getting just like pretty much universal yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, no, I've seen nothing but good reviews about it, so I'm gonna read that. It's short, so I feel like after I get that, I can really just dive in. Yeah, it looked really slim. It is very slim, and also like I cannot tell you how fast I got through it, which is shocking and a function of quarantine. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen. Um, but yeah, so all that aside. <laughs> Right. I guess we got a little sidetracked. <laughs> no, it's fine. So let's each pick two, three, two, three, whatever you're feeling. Okay. Um, things that didn't show up on each other's lists or you're passionate about their placement on your list and we'll just spitball it. I like it. Awesome. All right. Would you like to go first? Uh, sure. Well, okay. So now here's, here's the thing. Like, I feel like there are things, like, I know there are things that aren't on your list because you didn't get to them, but mm -hmm. you want to get to them like yes. freaky yes. and the hunt. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm like, well, should I pitch those to you? If you already want to watch them? If you, if you have something you want to say about them, go for it. I mean, the um, hunt, the only thing I know about the hunt is that it's like about like purge style hunting of like Trump people or Trump people are hunting people, something to that effect. Yeah, so it's, um, the hunters mm -hmm. are, like, um, wealthy, white, mm -hmm. uh, sort of the new liberal crowd. Oh, so, like, the, the parents and get out. Yeah, very similar to the parents and get out. Okay. Very, um, you know, like, we're... Um, we're vegan by choice. And <laughs> I would have voted for Obama for a third term. <laughs> yeah, I would have voted for Obama for a third term. And, like, um, they donate to NPR. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, like... Remind me to tell you a fucking funny NPR story after oh, this that... I can't be I shouldn't on say on air. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I'm, I'm going to make a little note about yeah. that. <laughs> I learned about it this weekend and I was like, why did I just, you'll see. <laughs> anyway, go yeah. on. <laughs> so, so those, so those are the hunters and what they do is, um, yeah, they're, I mean, it's the most dangerous game. They're kidnapping, yeah. um, people that they designate as deplorables. Um, Hillary people, Clinton gave us nothing else. She yeah. gave us that word. <laughs> she gave us that word. Yeah, so very, um, the people being hunted are, um, from a lower socioeconomic class, okay. um, from a rural background, uh, they might be labeled as rednecks. Um, okay. So they're predominantly white. They're predominantly okay. white. I don't, I don't think there's any non-white victims okay i've i i've only seen the ones in theaters um so it's it's very uh sort of um a reversal right of that mm -hmm. kind of 
substory. Well, it's funny because I feel like the setup is like, like Fox News's like biggest fear, of, like the coastal elites rounding up. <laughs> Absolutely, and um, yeah, and we're liberals honest, from Broadway. That was in the prom. That was gonna say that's definitely the prom, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so you've got that going on, which is a cool hook, mm-hmm. um, and had a lot of people uh, getting their panties in a twist to well, use Trump, an expression. Didn't Trump himself talk about it at one point? He did, yeah. yeah, he was upset, and that I think was one of the things that piqued my interest is that both cons- traditionally conservative and traditionally liberal outlets yeah. were shitting on it. Because I feel like this sets up for both of them to be kind of come across as huge dicks. Yeah. And that's what it does. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really effective. It yeah. skewers both sides. It holds up a mirror. It It's going to make you, no matter where you fall politically, kind of look at things about yourself and be like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's not great. This is know? interesting because this comes at an interesting time. I've been doing a ton of research recently into um, um, the sort of like psychology and cognition that goes into different voting blocks, which mm. started as like a thing to see, is there a link between like whatever it is? Is there just any correlation between conservatism, Jesus Christ, and alcoholism and substance abuse to see if anything about, and, you know, there is, there are personality traits they share and that sort of thing. But I was listening to a lecture by um, Chris Mooney, who wrote a book about basically just brain chemistry in different groups. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really fascinating, but he also pointed out, like, it's not all good news for liberals, like, these studies also show that they behave in ridiculous ways too. Yeah. Um, so interesting. I'm interested to. to... Yeah. D- d- I think a, a lot of that reading would, would pair well with the hunt. Interesting. Um, Cause it's, yeah, it's very much like the. Uh... It, it, as much as it does skewer both sides, I feel like it. At the end of the day, it's, it's asking people on the liberal side to just take a moment and sort of think about are you are you truly behaving the way you claim you're behaving Mm -hmm. according Mm -hmm. to like I guess like performative yeah no that's what it sounds like it sounds like performative white neoliberalism yeah um which I think we all at some point have been guilty of as liberals like that's kind of like the phases you go through um 100% and you have to own that yeah if you you really subscribe to progressive values no interesting I will definitely I mean I was going to check that out anyway but I feel like that definitely definitely is interesting in like just like the the weird amounts of time I've spent reading like psych studies on um just the differences between like the differences between how liberals and conservatives um organize their closets is nuts <laughs> and there is research on that and there is a there is a research piece of which Colin Firth is an author because he helped fund it um on the actual um anatomy brain differences like is there an anatomical brain difference which they found it's not a really strong correlation 
But there is a correlation between gray matter in different areas of the brain based on liberal and conservative viewpoints. So conservatives have more gray matter in the part of their brain that responds to fear and security needs. Um, And liberals have more brain matter in the area of the brain that responds to error correction. Mm, Interesting. Here's another interesting point is it's very easy to make a liberal conservative, but it's very hard to go the other way because they did studies where basically they put any, if you put anyone under cognitive stress of any kind, they're going to start to become more conservative because it's easier. Yeah. Um, And it was really, it was really fascinating. So, but the thing is, is that all these studies are like, okay, like it's not the good guys versus the bad guys. It's like, you know, both these people have very extreme ways in thinking. Yeah. Um, so that would be interesting. That is really interesting. That's so, that's fascinating to me that Colin Firth uh, helped yeah. on that study. I looked it up because it came up in that lecture. So I was like, all right, let me look at this. And he's like the second author on this study. Wow. Because <laughs> he, he put money into it. And he basically said, I did it because I want to know why people um, who disagree with me, like, behave the way they do, why essentially. But yeah, no, if you if you look at it, I can find the study uh, somewhere, but it was basically like it was a total like brain imaging study. And like, it's like whatever scientist, Colin Firth. How funny that oh, I almost said the late, great Colin Firth. He's still alive. <laughs> He's very much alive, you guys. The great Colin Firth, one of our best living actors. Yeah. Um, and funded a brain study. Also, Funding brain research. Yes. Incredible. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. The hunt. I know I know you were going to see it anyway. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just sort of my um, my take on it. I really enjoyed it. It's a fucking blast. Yeah. Um, just aside from sort of being thought-provoking. Um, and Betty Gilpin is just delicious in the lead role. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, what are you going to throw at me? What, what didn't... <sighs> didn't I have? So I have two that I'm going to throw at you, I think. But the first one is going to be the platform. Yes, the platform. Which I know you said you wanted to, you did want to see. It wasn't that you actively didn't see it. It's just you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, just didn't get Um, to it. But the platform, um, or as it's like, that's its English title. The better translation of its Spanish title is The Hole. Um. But there's already like three horror movies called The Hole, so yes. I'm glad one with the platform. No, and it's inter- it's actually interesting if you look at the change in translation and look at the events of the movie just between two different cultures and see like, okay, like which is this putting emphasis on? Because within the context of the movie, The Hole and The Platform are two different things. Oh, okay. So it's interesting. But basically, the gist of this, um, and I believe I wrote in my my little write-up, um, it feels like a, a Jose Saramago novel, which Jose Saramago writes, like, towards the end of his writing career, he wrote some just really weird stuff, but he wrote Blindness, which is probably his most famous That's novel. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have been on a big Saramago camp. I have. You've seen all my Goodreads. For our listeners don't know. Mm-hmm. But Miss Nell's been reading a lot of Saramaga, mm-hmm. so I've read a, I've read a lot of his stuff recently, and that's so probably she's been, she's been thinking about and engaging with that with, a lot. Yes, so that's why this comes up because he's very allegorical, 
and he writes in such a way, or at least is translated in such a way that it's very blunt language, which is what this is um, in translation in the dialogue. But basically, the premise of this is our hero, or our main character, Goring, um, wakes up in a room um, inside what is called the hole. Um, and it is a known place. He has volunteered to go there compared to many other people, including his cellmate, um, who basically had a choice between like prison or death or you spend a certain amount of time in the hole. The hole. The hole. And what happens here is everyone's on a level and you've got your number somewhere in your room so you know what level you're on. At the beginning of the movie, we know there there are at least 130 levels. That's all I'm going to say. That's quite a hole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are 130 levels. He starts out, I want to say, on 43, 48, somewhere in the 40s, um, is where he wakes up. Okay. Everyone within the hole... What does that mean? Is like is like one, one really low or one's so this is this is why the levels matter is because there's this platform every day that is filled with food that uh, starts at level zero and goes down to each uh, level. It stops for a little bit, people eat, it goes down, it goes down, it goes down. The driving issue we learn very quickly is that you know people at the higher levels are getting all the food and people sure. below by the time it gets down there. You know, there's nothing for them. They don't get anything. Exactly. Um, but we learn that, you know, like, the, the platform the, with the food is designed to have enough food for everybody at all levels if everyone only ate what they needed. <clears throat> ah. Yes. So, and everyone's allowed to come into the hole with one item. For most people, they bring some kind of a weapon because, mm -hmm. like, they're allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. Um, okay. There's a lot of gory cannibalism that we see in this movie um lots of violence um but our friend goring brought don quixote he's the only person we we find out we we learn quickly he's the only person who brought a book ever people have brought like knives and like fucking somebody brought like a surfboard i think um he brings a book you know <laughs> it's funny because somebody references it they're like they like point at like this. The surfboard is not a, a, a an ornamental piece. Like they are aware it's in the scene and it is talked about. Um, but yeah, so he brought a book and he was in here voluntarily because basically he said, "I will do this for six months in exchange for an accredited degree." Um, and he was like, "Well, it'll be great because I will get to quit smoking and read Don Quixote, uh -huh. and it'll be chill." Here's the trick, though, is that every month they're put to sleep. And when they wake up, they're at a different level. And it's random. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's okay. the premise you... of, of the world we're in. Gotcha. Um, and I think it, you know, it obviously says a lot about stratification in society. Um, sure. But it definitely, very interestingly, says a lot about kind of what we were talking about is, like, neoliberalism the saviorism aspect of it you know this guy who came in here oh i'm gonna read a fucking book and it'll be fine and it's like yeah. you know basically what he becomes by the end of it um having come in with that mind that you know very liberal elite middle class mindset um it's very visceral there's a lot of violence um a lot of 
a lot of cannibalism, as I've said. <laughs> um, and it's very, you know, it's very weird. It's very psychological. Um, it's definitely not goofy at times, but it is. It's almost goofy in the sense that, like, you know, very blunt language goes back and forth. Like, it feels like something you would hear in a play um, more so than in a film. Um yeah, and it's just, it's very, it makes you think it's very depressing. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> I might have to wait to watch it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say. Because was, of that. Yeah, no, I would but, say watch it in a good mindset. But, yeah, um, but no, like, I'm I'm in, I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's, it was, and it's interesting because it allows you to engage, because, like, what it's ultimately saying, I don't know if I agree with. Uh-huh. But I agree with the context that it sets everything up in. It's like, yes, this exists and, and that exists. And, sure, yeah. and sure. And and whether or not you agree with what a film says, I think is different mm-hmm. than our appreciation of a film. Yeah, because I can look at it and say, I see what you're saying. You said it very well. Personally, from, you know, taking ourselves out of the film from a political standpoint, I don't think, you know, what you're saying specifically is the solution, but that's not going right. to like, you know, I, that's fine. It's still right. a great movie. But yeah, but if you but if you tell it to me in a talented way, in a u- unique way, if you make a good film, mm-hmm. that yeah, that's going to be different than me being like, okay, now me engaging with what you're saying, you know, that's that's different. <clears throat> no, it's very it's very interesting and there's these interspersed sort of like I guess we'll call them interlude scenes of the people who make the food. Cause there's uh, this like whole kitchen that makes the food every day. Um, and you see them in these like, like beautiful montages of them putting, cause they ask people when they go into the hole, they're like, what's your favorite food? Cause they'll put it on, on the, platform. the platform for you. Um, so it's, it's interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it's a great, if you're looking for like, you know, I feel like there's, you know, there's horror, there's art house horror. Like, this is definitely, like, full allegorical, like, it's going to tell you and sell you something horror. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm, like, when I'm in the right mood, and I and I will be, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. When, well, it's, like, when me I, with the lighthouse. I'm, like, I can't. Heavy. Yeah, I can't watch the lighthouse while I'm still oh how brilliant is the lighthouse you know it was so it's not a tragedy but it's it's slightly unfortunate that like when we did our top 10 films of last year of 2019 Mm -hmm. i don't think either of us had seen the lighthouse yet no i think it had just come out or was out in like select theaters and it was one of those things where like i saw it and I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> the lighthouse was funny in my damn top ten. My a friend of mine who saw that like off the bat, like she went immediately and was like, All I'm gonna say to you is this movie was very much his like carte blanche. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. So um God, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. That's that was a really good uh pitch for the platform. Thank you. That was awesome. Um oh gosh, what am I going to You put that really high, didn't you? I did. Uh well, I it's funny cuz I had it higher and then when I was doing some switching around, I put it lower. I had it um it was, was in my top 5. 
Top five, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um your top was host, right? Yes. Just because yeah. I found it fucking delightful and I wanted delight. Because host is fucking delightful. Yeah. Um That was high for me. I can't remember where. I think that um, was in your top five. I think it was your fourth one. Prop yeah, that that's that sounds right. No, it was your third one. Oh my third one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to pitch, where did I put it? (laughs) That was my fifth one. I was going to pitch scare me to you, but I think I did see that pop up. I think I pitched that to you on an, like on an earlier episode where we were just chatting, Mm -hmm. like right after I had watched it. Yeah. Um, so I might instead pitch... Well, there's La Llorona. In my defense, it's just outside my top ten. No, and I understand. It's, like, a very, like, it's basically not super horror until the last third of the movie. But the reason I had it so high is because it really reminded me of Beloved in its structure. Mm. And that just kept sticking with me. And also those those dream sequences. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I, I put it at 11, but, like, I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, like, like every movie, like, in my top 20 and, like, every movie, like, in your top 20, like, that I've seen and didn't have, they're all great movies. Yeah. Like, there's no real bad movie no. on either of our lists. Like, 2020 was so strong, you guys. Um, all right. I think I'll pitch to you The Cleansing Hour. Okay. That, I don't, just, that wasn't on any, no. All right. Do it. Let's go. Yeah. Or have you, you haven't seen that, right? No. Okay. Yeah. It's not what I thought I was going to pitch to you going into this recording, but for some reason, my gut is just is just saying to go with it. Um, so it's... I guess it's technically a found footage film, but mm-hmm. it's not like... It's not actually found footage, you know? It's not like we found this and mm-hmm. here it is. Like Paranormal Activity mm-hmm. or Wreck or whatever. Or Quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... The premise is that it's... We're watching a YouTube channel. Okay. Of this really hot priest. <laughs> like Fleabag hot priest? Or like Yeah, like, like Fleabag okay. style hot priest. Okay. And he he's an exorcist. Oh boy! And he and he does live exorcisms on his YouTube channel. What? And so that's sort of the premise. And so, like, the film is presented as what you watch on YouTube, and then like behind the scenes. Okay. Of so, the show itself. Okay, so, so he's behind the scenes of. Yes, yeah, so he's behind okay. the scenes. So what to discover is he's a fake. Mm-hmm. The exorcisms are staged. It's it's actors and actresses that are like playing these supposed victims of possessions. He's not a real priest and stuff or whatever. And so the setup of the film is that it's 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 some really important show. Mm-hmm. Um and, and he's and he's like a total dick, right? And he is really pushing his producer, who's played by Kyle Gallner, in a brilliant performance. Um like, they really need to do something crazy. He really needs to pull in the viewers. And, like, he has all this, like, merchandise that he sells. <laughs> like, it's so sacrilegious and kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, but 
what ends up happening is that the it was supposed to be the exorcism of a drag queen, but the drag queen never shows up. Okay. We see. Walt- also, could you imagine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I won't spoil it. We see why that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls in um, uh, Kyle Garner's girlfriend, basically, like, just do it. Just be the possession thing or whatever. Yeah. It'll be like, oh, you're a white woman in trouble. It'll be, uh, people will love that shit. But then it turns out that she's actually possessed. Oh, it's one of those things. Yes. And the demon. Turns out she's actually the Grand Duchess Anastasia. <laughs> Right, turns out she's actually Anastasia. Um, and the demon basically like has all these demands and is like, no, like don't stop recording or I'll kill her kind yeah. of thing to like engage with the fake priest and it sounds really What an ridiculous. intelligent demon. <laughs> yeah. It sounds really ridiculous and like of course it kind of is, but like who fucking cares? And like it's it's funny at first and it's sarcastic and it's cynical, but it's also like really creepy at times. It's really creative. There's some really shocking moments that happen, mm-hmm. like and um, some really cool kills. It's it's low budget. It's a total indie film, but yeah. it's, it's really brilliant. Um, I've never I've never seen a film like that before, um, and like I like that it wasn't sort of. Now it's kind of old hat to do the whole, like, social media is bad thing. Mm -hmm. And I was worried that's what this was going to do, but it doesn't. While still using, like, YouTube and vlogs as, like, a method for its storytelling. It's really fun. It's really clever. Nice. No, I will definitely watch that. That sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. Is that that on Shudder? Where can one find it? That's on Shudder. It might actually even be a Shudder original. Original. Okay. And for the record, the platform is on Netflix those of you and the platforms on netflix okay great and what was my first pitch to you that was the hunt the hunt is streaming i don't know where let me double check real quick goodness right i'm debating between two i guess have you seen so first of all my question is did you see black box at all no but it's saved in my hulu you. Okay. And did you see Sputnik? Also that saved. That was my number three. Okay. Okay. So both of these are saved. This is good. I'm going to go with Sputnik just because I found it so incredibly surprisingly enjoyable. Yeah. As my pitch to you. So I'm, this I'm is ready. this is a Russian language film. Um, right. Takes place, I want to say 1983. It's late Cold War. Um, and this astronaut and his fellow astronaut are, like, returning from, like, a space thing. They're, like, on their way back into orbit, coming back down to, you know, like, re-enter the atmosphere, all this shit. Um, As they're re-entering, they have some problems, technically, um, and the one guy thinks he sees something outside the spacecraft. And we cut away, and next thing we see is they have had, like, a really rough crash landing. One of them is dead, um, and the other is, like, seriously injured. Okay. That's, like, the first five minutes of the movie. Um, then we cut to, basically, our main character, who we follow through this, a Russian... Um, I guess she's a neurobiologist. But basically, she's, like, 
on the fringe right now because her her she's like being put in front of like a review board because she has like really questionable practices and they're like we basically are gonna like make you resign or fire you yada yada she gets contacted by the kgb who's like hey we have something we want you to look into and so she's like all right whatever she agrees she goes with them to like rural i don't think it's quite siberia but it's pretty remote um to view to to basically monitor and examine a cosmonaut who came back they were like we think he's having some you know mental health cognitive things we just want your professional recommendation basically yeah and he's being kept in isolation um he's very combative with people he claims to not remember anything that happened after he like passed out and woke up you know in the hospital you know, when she's diagnosed, she's like, okay, well, he has, clearly has PTSD. And she does these tricks to, like, figure out different things about his, like, vital signs that are weird, yada, yada. But what she learns is one night they wake her up and they're like, all right, we need to show you something. And she sees that at night, during the day, he's like, whatever. At night, um, he basically, for lack of a better, you know, it comes out of his mouth. He vomits a sort of um, parasite yeah. Like a little guy that comes out and is just doing his thing, walking about. He's like completely like he's awake ish. They're not sure. He's like in a sort of like fugue state while this thing is out and about. Um and they're like, Okay, so this is what's really going on. Can you help? Basically, because they want her to find a way to disconnect them because they have a symbiotic relationship right now. They've learned that what happens to one affects the other. So they're like, as a neurobiologist, we need you to find a way to separate them. Ooh. Um, and that's where things like, there's so many like twisty shit things in this movie. Yes. Like that's just the first part. That's like the first 15 minutes as we learn that this is the world in which we exist. Um, and from there it's like, but also this, but wait, this is, you know, it's like very like just... Things that maybe should have been obvious, but, like, just weren't. So it was, like, genuinely, like, oh, my God, you know, I'm shocked, you know, type deal. On top of that, like, you know, nothing about it is, you know, like, it's not doing anything new in sci-fi. It's a very well-worn story. It got a lot of favorable comparisons to Alien. Um, well, say, and that's okay. That, you that was have to yeah. rewrite the the book you know and it was very enjoyable to watch because the characters were so good Mm -hmm. um and their interactions and the acting like just it was just a very enjoyable like espionage sci-fi type film like i really liked that one a lot that's awesome yeah Yeah. spotnik was one of those ones where like you know that, that thing where like something pops up and you're like yes Mm -hmm. not right this second but yes yeah and you kind of, you know, you save it or, like, you make a note in your phone or whatever and you don't get to it right away and, like, this pops up or that pops up. Or when you think about it, you're not quite in the mood for it. But it was, like, that's one of the ones. That might be probably the one that I'm most upset I didn't actually get to within 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that like after that like awesome pitch, I'm like definitely yeah. I'm moving that up very quickly. No, I think. That's a, and that's not- in terms of like where your brain is at, that one definitely is just like here's some alien style sci-fi. You know, yeah. there's no real like it's not asking you to engage in a large yeah. way. 
with your, your universe. Um, but no, it was very enjoyable. That's awesome. Yeah. What, Nick? Yeah. And it's funny because the, for the longest time I was thinking, okay, the title of this is the thing that I dislike the most because I felt like I don't get why. Really? Yeah. I was like, why are you calling it Sputnik? Like, why do I care? But then I kind of thought about it for a little bit and about like, if you take a little bit of what the movie not necessarily is saying, but the events of it in relation to what we know about like the Sputnik program and like Soviet Russia, it starts to, I could see a connection. It clicks more. Yeah. 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 I was going to, there were a couple where I was like, wait, did she have this one? Oh, I should pitch that one. Or like (laughs) (laughs) this and that. Um, I'm torn between a couple. Hunter, Hunter, or, or Scare Me. All right, I actually think I'll, I'll do Scare Me because. Okay. Refresh me. Yeah, I'll, I'll refresh you because Scare Me was, was, and I wrote this, it was the film that most surprised me from 2020. Okay. Um, and it, it really stands out in the crowd for me. It is like the definition of minimalism. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's basically just, we're going to throw two people in a room. Okay. And rely completely on them to tell you this story. So what it, so what it is, is um, Josh Rubin and Aya Cash are playing these two writers. Um, and, oh, and Josh Rubin also directed and wrote the film. Um, and he, he's done, he's done some genre work here and there. And Aya Cash, I don't know. Do you watch the boys? No, but Trella does. Uh, okay. Well, she, she was Stormfront on the boys. Okay. Um, which will mean something to Charlotte, but yeah. not to you. So <laughs> I assume it's a superhero and or a villain. Both. (laughs) But anyway, there are these two writers. And Josh Rubin is this writer who, um, he, uh, has not had, um, mainstream success. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, he's been at it for a long time. And, um, so he, he rents this cabin in the woods in winter to, to do sort of like a very cliche writery thing, right? Yeah, yeah. He's gonna lock himself away from the world and he's gonna sit down and he's gonna write his werewolf novel. That always goes well in movies where people do that. Super well. Turns out, okay. Kaya <laughs> Cash is also in the cabin down the lane. Okay. She's a writer. <clears throat> she has had a lot of success. Um, she has written, I think two novels, maybe two horror novels as well. That has gotten her a lot of like mainstream attention and success. And she's here working on her next novel and they happen to run into each other or do they happen to run into oh, each no. other? Oh <laughs> no. It's, it's up for debate. And then there's, you know, then there's a power outage and they're out there alone. So she comes over and what they end up deciding to do is 
basically because there's nothing else to do is have a competition about who can tell the best scary story. This is like, what was that anthology of the old British men in the basement? Um, Dead of Night. Yes. Yes. It is kind of like that. Yeah. Yes. And so it's this fantastic thing of this back and forth. It's technically an anthology film. I was seeing that it was getting billed with like other anthology stuff. Because they take turns trying to scare the other one. But as they tell these stories... Is she also a horror writer or is she just a writer? She's a, she is a horror writer. Okay, okay. Yeah. This makes sense now. They're Continue. both horror writers. Yeah. She's written... They talk about like what her, her most recent novel is. That, that I think it's like supposed to be like sort of a Rosemary's Baby thing mm-hmm. that she's just written that's getting like a lot of attention. Um, but yeah, and so as they go back and forth, what most films would do is would like would cut mm-hmm. and would show us the story that they're telling. Scare me doesn't do that. Interesting. It's literally just them telling us the story. And so it's through sound and dialogue and the performance of these two actors that frightens us. Interesting. I feel like yeah. that has to be like a fucking ball for the actors. Oh, it's like, like what could challenge you more as an actor? Than yeah. That? Because it's literally just... It's interesting because I think one of the things that kind of stopped me was because I was like, oh, it's another anthology, like, you know, going to have to cut away and watch this, like, you know... But it's not. We never leave the cabin. Interesting. That changes things. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this thing where, like, the pizza guy shows up and they're like, okay, okay, well, he's going to be the judge and he's going to be, like... And so they try... They each try and scare him and stuff or whatever. And it's... It's, it feels very cozy, but then it feels claustrophobic. It's very witty. It totally dissects, like, writing culture mm-hmm. and, like, literary versus genre writing and, like, the pretension of writers and, like, the process of writing. Like, so, like, there's another level of enjoyment, like, if you are a person who writes, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, as we... Interesting. It's, it's really witty. It's yeah. really... Definitely. It's, it's really Yeah, fun. no, the one thing that was tripping me up with that was like I was like, I don't know if I feel like watching another anthology film. Yeah, it's 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 really I hate I kind of hate that it gets billed that way. I understand why, but it's it's really not an anthology. It's really just a showcase of like really sharp acting and really clever writing. Nice. Definitely gonna give that a watch. Is yeah. this on is this a shutter on Netflix? It's Amazon on Hulu. Shutter. I can't remember if it's a Shutter original, but it's on Shutter. Okay. Shutter is just fucking killing. Great. Me. Did you did you also get the like incessant messages about them upping their monthly charge by like a dollar? Yeah, I don't. Because <laughs> like the Apple like whatever store was like really trying to be like, are you sure? Like they kept texting me and I kept being like, I, I, I don't care. I don't care. Like I will. Shutter should charge more than it does. <laughs> no, it's only five bucks, uh, five ninety nine, six bucks, a right, uh, exactly. a month, which is a steal for the amount of content they provide. Mm-hmm. This all this new content, like well, and hard to find shit too, is on there. Like some really old ass obscure shit is on there. 
Yes, and like, and like, I love you know me, and like, and you you do pretty much like we love that shit. Yeah. So like, Shutter is totally worth it. If That's how I watched all those Poe the Poe Cycle movies. They were on Shutter. All of it. Yeah. yeah. It's great. They have amazing stuff on there. They've got um, some really, like, their slasher collection is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're listening and you don't have it yet, what I learned, <laughs> I originally had it as an extension on CBS All Access, because you can, like, add channels or whatever for that. It's much better to just have the app itself, mm-hmm. which I think you do, right? I do, Yeah. Yeah. Because they have, they've got those three, like, channels where they're just mm-hmm. playing stuff yeah. randomly and constantly. Mm-hmm. And that's the best. When you can go back and sort of discover stuff that you haven't seen in a long time. Or just, or just like, if you're just in the mood where, like, I kind of just want to watch something and I don't care what it is. Yeah. And you flip on one of those shutter channels and you're like, oh, great. Right I'm watching Jason Lives. Yes. Minute, you know? <laughs> excellent. Excellent use of my time. Excellent use of my time. It's never a bad call to watch Jason Lives. Yeah. <laughs> if you doubt that, go back and listen to our Jason Lives episode. Yes. <laughs> no, that's exciting. This is good. This is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For my final one. So you, you haven't seen Black Box. You want to. Did you see Color Out of Space? I did see Color Out okay. of Space, and I didn't like it. No, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. It's I, okay. And I know you put it... I put it fairly high, but that's also because that's my shit. <laughs> that, and, that's, and that's the thing. That is your jam. That's your mm-hmm. shit. It's not as much my shit. No. Um, and also, the, the kid who plays Baby Luke was in it as basically the same character. <laughs> so that's oh, like a, yeah. a real big win for me. Um, great. No, but this makes it easy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about Black Box because this is one yes. where throughout the course of the movie, I had like different thoughts and relationships with it, like as I was okay. watching it. Okay. But basically, the premise is this: is um, there's a single dad. He was a really like um successful like photojournalist. Um, but he got in a car accident, some sort of accident. Um, his wife was killed in the accident. He uh, was severely injured, but he's he's back home now, and he's going through like um, sort of amnesiac episodes. Like he can't fully remember what happened during the accident. Um, there are things about his life at home that he doesn't fully remember. And basically, the setup right. is, is that his daughter is taking care of him. Um, you know, okay. she's reminding him to do things, reminding him things that he liked to do, um, reminding him to cook dinner. And it's, it's kind of a, a, a tension filled relationship where, you know, she's, you know, she's in like elementary school, um, and, you know, trying to be, Oh damn. Yeah. Patient and a child and, you know, all these other things while he's like, you know, he forgets her at school. Sometimes he forgets their secret handshake you know, and she and he's going to see like therapists and stuff to try and like recall these memories. Um, and basically, he um, is contacted by a doctor at a hospital. He has a friend who is a doctor who he sees from time to time, who's like a family friend. Um, and a colleague of his contacts has, keeps contacting him for a brain study that they're doing. The colleague, the doctor, is played by uh, Mrs. Huxtable. <laughs> Really? Really. Um, Yeah. Huh. 
fun. Oh um, I was like, I haven't seen you since the intro to the dinosaur ride at Disney World. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's in it. She's the doctor. Um, okay. So anyway, she contacts him and says, like, hey, I'm doing a study on, you know, that specifically is designed to help people remember things like in their deep past, basically, using okay. a mixture of like hypnosis and like some brain scanning equipment and kind of like almost a sensory deprivation situation. And she's like, I'm going to okay. help you remember what you forgot. And he's like, okay, like, great, let's do it. So his first session, they go back to his memory of his wedding. Um, and it seems to be like, okay, like, we're remembering things, you know, like, great. Um, but there are two problems. First is that in his memory of his wedding, when he goes to lift his wife's um, veil, he finds that he can't recall her face. And he looks around and realizes he can't recall any faces. Oh. Which is a psychological... I forget what it's called, but it's an actual phenomenon in psychology where you can't yeah, pick, you can't. see someone's face. Yeah. Second problem is there's this thing which he calls the crawler, which is this strange moving kind of backwards bent creature that is slowly making its way Ooh. towards him in the memory. And every time it gets close to him in the memory, he pulls it, he like, he pulls himself out of it um, before it can like actually get to him. Um, so they're like, okay, our goal in this is to help you see faces and to help you overcome this crawler entity. And from there, a lot of shit happens. <laughs> um, parts of it are definitely predictable, but other parts are like, okay, that came from somewhere. Um, right. <laughs> it is, and because of the way sometimes it's a little bit jarring, it can be a little bit confusing as to like, okay, where am I supposed to put my allegiance or my emotions and that sort of thing. But okay. it definitely was like, okay, I need to see the end of this. And also, like, I want this guy to succeed for, like, his kid and his, like, well-being. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was true. You know, and I think I put in there, it was like, it was kind of like a little bit of flatliners with, like, get out. And also, like, I, you may have put this in too it feels very jacob's ladder mm -hmm. i think i put that in there as well it's very jacob's ladder which i love that movie. yeah very creepy yeah super creepy so yeah it's on i'm just i i know i watched it on amazon um yeah because isn't it isn't it part of um i think it's their package of horror films kind of yeah. like how hulu does into the dark or after dark or whatever Right, because Amazon released like a couple of them mm -hmm. in relative um, closeness, and I remember people being like, "Oh, Black Box, yeah, that's the best one." No, it was very good. It definitely had some like, okay, that could have been done better or explained better, or you could sure. have foreshadowed that better. But it was definitely very interesting. Also, the science of it is like, okay, this is a little. You're asking me to take a leap, but you know. I won't, I won't poke at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that kind of thing, right? Where it's like, I'm watching a movie, not a documentary. Yeah. So, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Nice. I'm definitely gonna, gonna move that up too then. Yeah. Um, 
All right, now, do I need to pitch one more, or where are we? We did Scare Me, The Hunt. Is that it? That might have been it. What else did I pitch to you? Maybe I do need to do one more. Yeah, pitch me another. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Oh, no, I pitched the, The Cleansing Hour. Oh, okay. Okay, don't pitch me another. <laughs> then I'm not going to pitch you another. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> me. Shut up, me. If, I'd like to, if you'd like to see more, our lists are, are on the blog and on Twitter. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Um, so shifting ahead to our glorious 2021. We're hopefully glorious from this point on. <laughs> or at least from January 20th at noon. On. Yeah. On. Um. What do you, so let's start with what was supposed to come out in 2020, but hasn't. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, a fair amount, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, was affected by um, the pandemic. Um, is there anywhere in particular you want to start? I know that we had mentioned A Quiet Place 2 before we started. We could start there. The ones that come to mind to me most when I think about it is Candyman and Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's tackle those three first. Okay. Um, shall we start with... We'll go alphabetically. Let's start with Candyman. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember that great trailer for it came out and then... That trailer is incredible. Yeah. Um, okay, so so yeah, things we know about Candyman. Um, it is being touted as a sequel to the original. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not sure if that means it's disregarding the second and third one exactly, but um, they're not really being mentioned. Yeah, I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't directly contradict them, but it also doesn't reference them in any way type deal. Right. Versus like a Halloween 2018. Or Halloween H2O. Yeah, or Halloween H2O. Um, we're not going to watch that tonight. <laughs> Speaking of things that give me delight. H2O? Yeah. Right? right? I mean, like. I'm not doing anything after this. I'll no. probably watch it. <laughs> I've We fucking love H2O. No. And it's funny because I've told you the story about how I watched it first in high school in a communications and film class where they were like, here's the treatment, study the treatment, watch the movie, take notes. Well, well I love that story for many reasons. Um, <laughs> but um, mostly because whoever taught your film treatment class, I just love that they recognized <laughs> that H2O. Like of all should, the Halloween movies. Yeah, should be studied in that way. It's so good. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but anyway, Candyman, yeah. So, so, um, Nia DaCosta is directing. Mm-hmm. I believe her first name is pronounced Nia. It might be Nia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Nia. She's directing, which a lot of people keep saying Jordan Peele's Candyman. So maybe in 2021, we as a horror community could be better about recognizing yeah. that Jordan Peele is not directing. He is producing. But yeah. You could also not- say Jordan Peele's Lovecraft Country, if that's like what we're going with. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's um, let's be a bit better about that because right, Naya, uh, what do you got for me? Because Naya DaCosta is directing, um, and she's a reason to get excited. Jordan Peele is a reason to get excited, of course, um, that he's producing, mm-hmm. and of course Tony Todd. Yes. Uh, who will be involved. He's not playing Candyman, um, but... Or no. Well, the trailer's... Okay. <laughs> he is playing Candyman, but there's going to be a new Candyman? We're not sure. He's somehow involved, but... Yeah! <laughs> it's it's going to be really interesting. Um, so we covered the original film... Uh, last year, I believe. Yes, we did. did we we did it for, I don't know if we, I forget why we did it, but we definitely did do it. Because I remember talking extensively about it and then going on like a month long, like, Candyman is great, like, yeah, thing. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we, we definitely covered it. Anyway, it's a great movie. It is a movie that's told... Through white voices. Though. Yes. And I think that's one of the things we covered is that one of the major pitfalls of it is that our lens is a white woman. And the end of the film with her like sort of revenge scene suggests that like, okay, a slighted divorcee white woman is somehow the same as a man who, a black man who was lynched to death, which was like right. one of the main, you know, and that's like through the ages been one of the major things that people have been like, this would have been really very well constructed as a white lens film on this. If you hadn't done that <laughs> at the yes. very end, it's like the last 15 seconds of the movie, basically suggesting she becomes the new Candyman or the new that's vengeful spirit, the new vengeful spirit. Exactly. And so I think it's I think it's something to get excited about that we're going to get a new Candyman story mm-hmm. that's finally told with black voices. Yeah. You yeah. know, that black voices, black characters. Black characters, a black director, black producer. Yeah, because there's a lot of voyeurism in the film, in the original, which I do think the original film makes comment on and does It does. It does um, hold her accountable for that within the context of the film, but just to have a black creative team behind a movie like this is very exciting. Yeah, it is. Um, and you know, there's there's been a lot of talk about um, needing more diversity in the horror community, mm-hmm. and Candyman, I think, is going to be a lightning rod for that. No, and it's very exciting to see, in any situation, a black woman director um, at the helm of the film. But, yeah, in any situation, I agree. But um, especially in horror, we need more more black male directors. Yeah. Um, So we're definitely very excited for Candyman. Currently, it is slated to release on August 27th of this year. Great. Um, that that sounds pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's late summer. You know, that's right before Labor Day. I hope we can see that movie in theaters. Yeah. Um. We Miss Mel and I were talking before we started recording. You know, the general consensus seems to be like fall 
Yeah. Enough people are vaccinated, so. Definitely, I feel pretty okay about about that. I mean, there's definitely things where it's like, hey, I probably won't get on a plane by then, but you know what? I think I can go to a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I feel like I would maybe choose a theater that is, like, doing the sort of social distancing measures. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Like, some theaters are doing now, but I don't feel comfortable going now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so Candyman. Definitely. No, very exciting. We're looking forward to of um, those initial three that we mentioned. I guess next would be Halloween Kills. Oh, you know what actually comes out first of all of these is... I keep calling it a quieter place because it's just funny in my brain, but it's Quiet Place Part 2. Comes out in April. Quiet Place Part 2. Yeah. Yes. That was definitely supposed to be last year. Yes. But was not. Um, Talk to us about that. So... As anyone who saw the first one will know, um, the premise is the Earth is taken over by these, like, alien monster creatures that hunt via sound. So people survive by being quiet. Why John Krasinski and Emily Blunt decided to get pregnant in this kind of world is, like, beyond me. Because they have, like, my friend and I have been calling it the baby box. That they had, like, prepared for when the baby was born. They were just going to shut it in a box (laughs) underground. Well, I I assume that she was already pregnant when the invasion happened. Maybe. (laughs) And also, like, at the beginning, they lose a kid. And it's like, okay, let's replace this one type deal. But anyway, at the end of that movie, spoilers. I I um, do love that about the first one. Yeah. That they kill a kid in the first ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So spoilers for the end of that movie, but basically what happens is John Krasinski gives himself up um, to the, uh, you know, attract the creatures while his family, Emily Blunt, they're two more adult children and not more adult, but like, you know, can walk children and the baby, you know, get away. Um, so this one picks up where that one left off. Basically, you know, what's their stasis in this post-apocalyptic world? Um, you know, just looking at the, the, the growing danger of, of the monsters. Um, we don't have a ton of information about it. And I think the only thing that really got released about it was teaser trailers. There wasn't really any like big trailer. Um, yeah. But basically, they have to leave their farm homestead um, right. to go out into the world for whatever reason. I guess we'll find out. Um, and basically, it seems like it may be a sort of road movie type deal. Yeah, based on the teaser, um, where they're like fleeing mm-hmm. and trekking or whatever around the world, I... I originally was i feel like not sold on the idea of a sequel Uh no the first Um, one i thought was fine um i felt there was a huge misstep in the first one in the scenes where they chose to have dialogue the dialogue didn't feel important enough you know like in a world where speaking is like mortally dangerous like what you choose to say out loud i feel should be poignant yeah. And I just didn't feel that in the scenes, the few scenes where they had dialogue. 
I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's definitely fair. Um, I am still looking forward to this, though, um, because I remember, I remember the time, what was it, 20, Quiet Place is 2017, I think? I think so. Um, and people, you know, because it was, it, was, it was a pretty big success. So people were like, oh, my God, is there going to be a sequel? Is there going to be a sequel? And John Krasinski was like, no, not unless there's a really good story. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that there's a, I'm hoping that there's a, that he's come up with a really good story because he's written and directed the second one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really excited for Killian Murphy, who is yeah. playing the bad guy, apparently. Yes, I did see that. And I'm like, yo, he is one of my favorite actors. He is he's so, so creepy when he plays that kind of character. He's so good. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. I don't know about yeah. you. No, I'll, I'll definitely see it. Um, the first one just didn't super impress me enough to be like, I want more. But hey, I will I will give it a shot. And I like Emily Blunt. Yeah, I like Emily Blunt. I like Emily Blunt. I feel like... I feel like I was, like, affected watching the first one, mm-hmm. but I just wanted more. Yeah. Like, I was, like, yeah. like really, really push the audience like really make them so uncomfortable with the idea of sound yeah yeah good shit all right so probably the biggest at least for us film that got pushed back in 2020 um was halloween yep yes it was it was pushed (laughs) back by I believe almost exactly a year. Yes. Yeah. They basically said, um, they put out like a statement on their social media, basically saying October, 2021. Yeah. Um, Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Currently scheduled to release on October 15th of this year, Halloween kills. mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, team from 2018 is pretty much all back. Uh, David Gordon green is directing again. Uh, he also wrote the screenplay with Danny McBride and Scott Teams from the original. Jamie Lee Curtis is black. Jason Blum is producing. Um, uh, Judy Greer, everybody. Um, there is, they have released, uh, they did release that teaser mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago. Most people saw, I think we shared it on Twitter. Yes, I think um, we did too. Uh, of course, what we know is that. Uh, Michael Myers is back. He survived um, the fire in the compound basement. <laughs> he survived the fire in the compound basement, um, which, you know, in the other timelines of the franchise, he has survived yeah, the fire checks before. Out. So it checks out. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is back as Laurie Strode. Um, there have been a lot of, vague promises but not super concrete details um the movie is apparently very bloody mm-hmm. uh the, they apparently took a lot of um time to like work through the criticism that 2018 got from fans and and tweak some things of course i feel like they're always going to say that yeah i also don't feel there was a ton of criticism to i don't i don't level a lot of criticism at 2018 some people really didn't like it but Mm -hmm. 
I mean, we. I enjoyed you, the crap out of it. You and I were pretty on board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really like 2018. Um, so we don't we don't know too much. They're they're keeping details pretty secret. They're keeping details pretty under wraps. I'm okay with that. I don't need to be to be super yeah. spoiled beforehand, especially when it comes to to this franchise. I think my my idea is that because this is releasing in mid October, when things are slated to be back mm-hmm. to normal i'm yeah. doing air quotes. <laughs> i think this is going to be the event movie of the year yeah because it's going to be perfect it's sort of i think it's going to be like the first movie that's big enough yeah that people feel comfortable going back to yeah we don't have like a star wars or anything exactly. like that so nope so i think halloween kills is going to be kind of the one for 2021 yeah i'd be down for that yeah i mean what are you what are you thinking what do you want to see from halloween kills i really enjoyed the characterization of lori as (laughs) shut in like paranoid woman um and her like very like fed up with her like family and that sort of thing, but I also really enjoyed by the end of it. You have your security system, you Karen. Karen. Mom, you can't just. Bam! You're dead. <laughs> love that. Love. Um, but I also love this sort of like triple generational thing we got at the end with Lori right. and her daughter and her granddaughter all like squaring against Michael. I would love to see more of that kind of dynamic. Um, yeah. I want more of Judy Greer. Yeah. As as Lori's daughter, yeah, I, no, like, she was she was very fun. She's very fun. She's an act. She's an actress that is always underused, mm-hmm. but she's so good in everything she does. So I hope they use her more in Halloween Kills. I mean, one of my favorite moments from Halloween 2018 is, you know, during everything going on in the basement. And the women finally get the upper hand. Mm-hmm. And then Judy Greer, you know, she has she has her... I can't remember the actress's name that plays the granddaughter. Yeah. But she's like, it's not a cage, baby. It's a trap. Yeah. You know, and then they... And then the bars come across and Michael is trapped in the basement. Like, brilliant. Yeah. Judy Greer, phenomenal. I, I want more of her in Halloween Kills. I hope they give her more to do. Yeah. No. I'm excited. Nothing but excited for that. Definitely. Alright, so, things that were not pushed back, as far as we know, um, and are coming out in 2020. Yeah. Um, or 2021, Jesus. Um, big one, third Conjuring film. Yeah, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Mm-hmm. Which is based on um, the real-life trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Um, which was the first time that we know of in American legal history that somebody used demonic possession as a defense in a murder case or any criminal case. Um, So that's what they're covering. (laughs) Um, As as you know, we love Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga in those 
in those roles. I enjoy the hell out of watching them act together as Evan, Lorraine, yeah. Warren. Um, I think James Wan does definitely have a very specific style with these movies. Um, I don't think he's not the director for this one. I know he's producing it. Um, yeah. Oh, it's directed by Michael Chavez. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Wan is not directing, which I think is okay. Yeah. Um, I am curious to see what that will mean for a conjuring film. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we've definitely been on record. We have an episode where we cover kind of the Conjuring universe, mm-hmm. um, if you want to check it out. Um, I th- think this Conjuring film is really exciting because, like, I mean, I don't know, but, like, it just feels like based on the nature of what they're covering, it's, like, it's going to be really psychological. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting because, um, yeah, like, it's, like, not based on a specific haunting so much as this guy yeah. did something and claimed this as his defense. So will it be that they prove his defense was correct? Will it be that they, you know, they prove it wasn't correct, but something else was going on, you know? Because the thing yeah. about The Conjuring is that it's very overtly supernatural, Um you know, overtly paranormal. So it'll be interesting to see how they take that. Yeah. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Miss Mel, because you, you tend to have more knowledge in this area than I do. I think Ed and Lorraine Warren were on record as saying that this particular case, like, was the one that disturbed them the most. Mm-hmm. Or like, or like really like chilled them. Yes. It was a big one. Um, for them um amongst their big cases was the um Edenfield go poltergeist which was the which was Conjuring 2 which was Conjuring 2 um this one there was one about a sort of demonic I forget what it was it was it was some sort of mythological creature like a demonic like minotaur or something like that (laughs) that Ed Warren would talk about a lot. Um, but yeah, no, it is very interesting. I mean, because... Oh, and the other big one that... Um, well, Amity. Yeah, Amity. Well, obviously Amity, but um, uh, the one that was the basis for The Haunting in Connecticut was another big one for them. Uh, again, Haunting in Connecticut. I like that movie. Yeah, very creepy. Yeah. And uh, Kyle Gallner again. Yeah, <laughs> kid in that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Conjuring, I think, is going to be good stuff. Yeah. No, it'll be, and you know what's interesting is a lot of the things coming out next year are a lot of sequels. Yeah, including. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to go for it right now. Don't breathe too. Yes, which is finally coming out. Which is finally coming out. It's slated for release August 13th. Yeah. Um, Stephen Lang is back. That's pretty much all we I know. think it's just, yeah, we just know that somehow he is back. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's yeah, really nothing about the plot at all. Right? Like, yeah, because, like, does Don't Breathe really need a sequel? No. No. Um, do I want to see Stephen Lang 
as a blind, like, crazy psychopath. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Um, Yeah, so that's another one that's the the Forever Purge. That's right. It's coming out in July. July, okay. Um, Which is another one we don't know much about. Um, But we know each time a Purge movie comes out, it gets more and more um, sort of in tune with whatever sort of the narrative or the politics are of that time. Yeah. So this should be interesting. (laughs) I'm such a, I feel like I'm such a Purge slut. Like, I I love, well, you know, we we love the Purge. (laughs) We love the Purge. Again, we did an episode where we covered the franchise. Um, Great series. They got better as they went on. The first purge the wasn't first purge everything was, you wanted it to be. No, it was like a um, uniquely positioned home invasion film. Yeah, yeah. Whereas everyone was like, I want to know more about the world and politics in which this takes place. And they're like, okay. So then that's and they what were they like, did. Great. <laughs> Here you go. And so they really sort of just like, they, they got it. I think in that franchise, um, mm. even the, like I watched, I've seen the first season of the show. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm prepping to watch the second season actually very soon. I loved the show. Um, a really great further exploration of this world and this franchise that they've created. I'm very excited for the second season of the show because it's actually it follows characters on what happens the rest of the year. Like mm-hmm. after. Oh yeah. When we're like, if you do some white collar crime that has effects after the purge, yeah. like can it's you be charged? Of, what, yeah. It's what does the rest of the year look like after the purge and before the purge? And I'm like, Oh, what a brilliant fucking hook. Yeah. To see what that looks like. Yeah, because I feel like that was everyone's thing where it's like, okay, but if I do things that have lasting effects after the purge. Yeah. Like if somebody dies after the purge based on something I did during the purge. During the purge, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really curious for the forever purge, especially because with the third one, which is probably the best one, election mm-hmm. year. I did really enjoy election year. Also, yeah. I feel like I can watch that again without like now that yeah, all this is... Well, hope, let's wait 10 days. Wait then, 10 days, but I feel like I'm at a point where it's like, okay, I can watch this again and not feel... 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because with election year, you know, with um, kind of the way things end, it's like, okay, the, the purge is ending because what's-her-face becomes president. Yeah. And, and says that's like one of her first things is she's yeah, in she, the purge. She repeals the purge and then, then it kind of ends on that note that there's like there are people protesting that and like basically like they're still gonna purge. Mm-hmm. So what does like is the forever purge a sequel to that moment? You yeah, because we kept because after that we went back to the first purge, which was right. their first experiment on Staten Island. We go to the Staten Island thing and we we see like how it was in that like sort of contained environment. You've mm-hmm. got Marissa Tomei as the yeah. creator of the purge. <laughs> It'll be interesting. I'm into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amongst other sequels coming out is uh, Paranormal Activity 7. Wow. Uh, is coming out at some point this year. I don't know if it has a um, release date. 
don't really know a thing about it. Um, all we know... Where could it go? I have no idea. I don't even know what the last Paranormal Activity movie I saw was. I, I know. I've seen them all. And... I don't okay, know. so you've got okay, so the first four, which are just one, two, three, four. Yeah. And then they did marked ones was yeah. five. Mm-hmm. And ghost dimension was six. Yeah. So this is seven. We don't know what it is. We don't um, know what it is. We know that um Christopher Landon anything... Oh sorry. Well I was gonna say Christopher Landon, who has written a couple of the last ones, is not involved. Oh, he's not involved. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, because now he's doing, you know, he's done Happy Death Day and Freaky, yeah. and he's sort of his own person now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just don't know, like, like the main storyline is, like, over. It's been over for a while, but here we like, are. Like, <laughs> Toby, the demon, like, has a physical body. Yeah. If you, like, by the end of the first six films, which yeah. is the goal of the demon. Yeah. So what- I'm guessing it's world domination. That's all I can imagine. <laughs> Well, and the thing with paranormal activity is, like, they jump around so much with the timeline, right? Yes. Like, the order... Yeah, because they go back in time as far as they possibly can that it makes sense for us to be watching a found footage, and then they jump into finally being a sequel to the original, and then Mm -hmm. March Ones, which takes place kind of tangentially. Right. So... Do you you think it's going to be something completely... Like, are they calling it Seven? Is there a subtitle that we know of? Nope. We, there's no, we don't know the subtitle. We don't know the cast. We don't know the plot. Just Paranormal Activity 7. Okay. So, yeah. Maybe they they might not even have filmed it yet, for all we know. Yeah. Who knows? It's supposed to be out in 2021. It's still planned for 2021, but who knows? (laughs) Um, I would say, like, I will see that, but I'm not excited for it. Another one that's in the realm of franchises is um, the new sort of spinoff of Saw. Yeah, Spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to be confused with last year's Spiral. No. <laughs> Starring um, Chris Rock in his first ever horror film. Chris Rock in his first horror film and Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel feel like there's a lot of potential with this yeah well i know that chris rock is a huge saw fan and he yeah. this like was an idea he pitched um as like what if you did this i know it's sort of tangential to saw but relates potentially back even to the first film like it's sort of one of those type deals yes um which and know that this has come up a ton on the show but i'm a huge saw fan Mm -hmm. um i i know i know i know the franchise gets (laughs) shit on a lot especially after the second one but like i defend it i I was really obsessed with it um in like my middle school and early high school days i think there's a lot you can pick apart in terms of like jigsaw's philosophy and punishing people who aren't deserving of life is mm-hmm. a really fascinating concept that I like exploring. Um, I like this idea that there are a cult of people that have become obsessed with Jigsaw mm-hmm. that like supposedly this new one is going to explore. Um, 
I'm re I'm really excited, but I also know that like I'm probably not the average horror fan because of how much I like the Saw franchise. I mean, I have the Blu-ray box set. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, what are what like? Does this idea excite you? Like, I don't know. Like you. So what do you think about Saw? I'm in a similar boat to you, where the concept of like what makes up basically the events of Saw is really fascinating to me. Like this guy who is a cancer patient who wants to punish people who aren't living their life um, in, you know, the most bracing way and are basically wasting uh, the fortune, as he sees it, the fortune they have to have, like, healthy yeah. lives. Um, I found that really fascinating. Um, you know, and, you know, from time to time, who, you know, everyone loves a little bit of sort of schadenfreude, you know, gore fest stuff where it's like wow i'm glad i'm not in that person's position that looks like it sucks um type deal with these different traps um but no i think it's also always been for me i know like the big takeaway for the franchise has always been the different traps and like that's kind of what gets like the teenagers into the seats to go see it but the philosophy of it has been interesting to me and the way that you know throughout the series like he starts to gain acolytes who are helping him and designing their own traps so I'm down to, to explore this in that way. Yeah. It's fascinating. And also just imagine the idea of Samuel L. Jackson being like, let's end this motherfucking game. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. This motherfucking yeah. game in this motherfucking basement. Um, in terms of not sequels, one thing that's supposed to be pretty good uh, is Run Sweetheart Run. Yes, that is supposed to be really good. Do we have a potential release date? Um, not yet. It came out. I know that um, Prime has Prime Video has the rights, the rights. to release it, okay. and it's um, slated for sometime this year. Okay. I don't think they've announced yet. They said early twenty twenty one is what Amazon has said. Um, so. Who knows? Probably than the, the next couple of months. Yeah, but um, yeah. basically, this this got a this was pretty successful at Sundance. Um, mm -hmm. but it uh, was written and directed by Shana Feast Feste. I apologize for not being able to say that correctly. Um, and stars Ella Belinska um, as uh, this like single working mother who goes on this blind date with. I can never say his fucking name right, but it's, um, you're on Greyjoy, so you know it's not going well. Yes. His, who knows how to say his name? Yeah. Um, he's, but that guy's a good actor. Yeah, he's a great actor. So she goes on a blind date with him, and he turns out to be a little bit unsettling. She's not feeling it. She goes to, like, make it a run for it basically like she's not feeling comfortable she takes off and she basically has to get home through west hollywood on foot um and what she finds is that this white man is very powerful and well connected as she as a black woman makes her way home um sounds that sounds like a not good situation to be in no um and it was based on a real life experience um that oh, um Shana Fest, Festi um, 
had um, as a result of like a really bad blind date. Um, So um, very personal for her. Um, Going to be going to be an interesting one. I think in terms of like uh, films like that, that are, that are going to make us uncomfortable and really, really think um, promising young woman. Yes. Yeah. Which has technically been released quote unquote in 2020, but like very exclusively limited only in theaters kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's proper release is going to be um, probably within the next couple of weeks uh, getting a lot of attention and buzz and I guess controversy um, for it being a revenge film mm-hmm. um, with a apparently very shocking ending. It's and, interesting. Uh, and supposedly it is going to be, according to the insiders, a best picture contender. Um, huh. Which would be quite the coup for the genre as a whole. Yeah. Um, that does well, not often happen in horror movies. Listen, I think what we all have to do going into this year is just set aside our snobbishness and our elitism. Because can you tell me any movie that came out in the past year at all? Anyone? Truly, can you tell me any movie? <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, it's like, yeah, like, I, I, yeah, we, do, we really have to just be like, you know what? We, we have to stop with, like, the holding back, yeah, and the pretension of certain films and just make them fucking available yeah. as soon as they're ready. Which because I've... the films that are going to get nominated, and I, I'm pretty sure I know what they are. Mm-hmm. Because, I, whatever, I, I follow the Oscars because that's an interest of mine. Mm-hmm. Those films have not been released to streaming yet. Yeah. And it's just like, they should have been. They should have been. Well, and that was like such the big thing with Tenet and it's like his insistence on it being in theaters. And it's like, listen, dude, shit happens sometimes. I'm sorry. The worst part of the pandemic is not that your movie is not going to get a theatrical release. Exactly. Like, I get it. You put a lot of work into it and you wanted it to be seen on the big screen. But you know what? It it just was impossible. (sighs) You made, you've made a ton of other great movies that were seen on the big screen. You're going to keep making movies that will be, you can take one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And are you telling me that like, that's the other thing too, is, is like this, the movie you're going to hang your career hat on with everything else you've made. This is the one that like, come on, like you don't have to convince us of anything. You're a white man in Hollywood. Like you're already there. Well, yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Like, even aside from that, like, you are regarded as like one of the best directors yeah. working right now. Like, you're fine. You don't. We don't. You don't need to prove anything with Tenet. You know, <laughs> like, chill, Nolan. 
Yeah. And I say this as a Batman fanatic. Yes, like, you do chill. love your Batman. <laughs> Very much so. But like chill. Yeah. Um, back to horror. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. We've also got a couple remakes coming our way. Mm-hmm. Or reboots, including um, a Resident Evil relaunching. What a year to be doing that. Literally. <laughs> um, no release date other than just the year 2021. 20, mm-hmm. And no plot details <laughs> other than that, like, yeah, we're going to adapt to the video games again. And there's going to be zombies. And the Umbrella Corporation will be there. And um, we're going to retell the story. Um I Resident Evil has been not necessarily a blind spot for me. I've I've seen them. I'm not heavily invested in Resident Evil and I never have been. No, it's not been a big I mean the the horror video game films have never been really big for me because they all tend to fall within the same genre. A lot yeah. of the time, um, which is not a genre I'm super into, like the, you know, um, shoot 'em up vampires or zombies or what have you. Sure, Silent Hill. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't. I don't dislike the Resident Evil franchise by any means, but like, you know, that Arrow Blu-ray collection that they just did. Like, I'm not gonna buy that. That doesn't interest. <laughs> Um, but, but I know a lot of people are really excited for whatever this reboot is going to look like. Yeah. No, they definitely have the fan base for it. It's just, it's, unless you do something different, it's not really my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um, also apparently, um, a reboot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Is it better than the one I made you watch that one time? Oh my <laughs> God, you guys, we watched... Uh, I don't even remember which one it was. I do. I just know it was that, that chick from Percy Jackson, wasn't it? It was Texas Chainsaw 3D, <laughs> which I had refused to watch in theaters. But uh, Miss Mel and I were hanging out one night in college. Yeah. Uh, right? Like on Netflix. Yeah, it was, it was at my house on Oakland it was, Ave. It was in summer. Yeah. It was when I was doing summer classes, living in a house on Oakland Ave. Yes. And, and I was I like, was, this is on Netflix. You were at home. I was at home. Had I started grad I had started grad school, right? Yeah. You were doing your summer, like, library work, I think. Yeah. So we were both sort of still, like, studying and working, which meant that Miss um, Mel was still uh, on campus. And so we, we hung out a lot that summer. And... Um, there's a funny story that no one would care about except us about watching Titanic. My God. But, um, just hanging out and watching films and, and talking about them and drinking. And for whatever reason, Miss Mel was like, what if we watched Texas Chainsaw 3D? I think I, had I already, no, I don't think I had already seen it. No, maybe I did. Had you I seen it? I might've already seen it. And I was like, Oh no, because you wanted me to experience the line. Yes, this this the line in the back of the cop car. Yes, and I said, and I said, okay, 
because I am kind of a completist and like, I like to see everything mm -hmm. in a franchise. Um, and the Texas Chainsaw franchise is a weird one. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, let's fucking watch it. I hadn't seen it at that point and we watch it and oh my God, <laughs> that is a bad movie. Yeah. It was not, none of it was none of it. Do your thing, cuz. Oh my God. <laughs> that one and the, the, I'm a sawyer. I'm a sawyer. <laughs> yeah. What a bad movie, but, but what we know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we know about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake of 2021, or reboot, or I, I'm not entirely sure what it is. There's no plot details, there's no release date. What we know is that it is meant to be a Halloween 2018 situation. It's supposed to be a Oh, direct... so they were like, we saw your success. Exactly. It's supposed to be a direct sequel to the original 1974 film directed by the great Tobe Hooper. <laughs> Sidebar, I know that it's Toby. Yes. <laughs> I just like saying Tobe. I've seen the debates online. Well, it's like I how know. Jamie insists her middle name is Joanne. <laughs> exactly. It's funny to say Tobe. Shut up. Tobe. Anyway. <laughs> It's supposed to be a direct sequel to the 1974 original. Um, I think I I don't I don't I don't know what I don't know what to expect from this. Alice Krieg is in it. Mm -hmm. She played the creepy witch in Gretel and Hansel from last year. Okay. Um. I'm assuming she's probably going to be a Sawyer. Uh-huh. That's all we know. I don't, I don't know. That seems to be the theme of the past couple of years is keeping things as under wraps as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Which was not, did not used to be the case with the horror genre. Like, no. you know, anyone with a subscription to Fangoria knew like pretty much every major detail about yeah. a horror film before it was released. And now it's, it's kind of the opposite, which is yeah. interesting. Um, do you want, like, do you, are you jazzed for a Texas Chainsaw? The thing is, this is like Texas Chainsaw as the original, I enjoy like as a franchise. I'm not super into it just because like I enjoyed the first one. I like, you know, it's placing context of like, you know, the sort of commentaries people put on it. It's place as kind of one of the original slasher films and that sort of thing. This The franchise itself doesn't super do much for me in the way that, you know, like we have Halloween and um, Friday the 13th. So I think the idea of it being a direct sequel to the original is good like i'm fine with that it's like okay you know maybe um yep. kind of disregarding the rest of the franchise which isn't a huge deal for me i would agree now that mm -hmm. you say that um i feel like <laughs> this the second texas chainsaw 2 is really weird texas mm -hmm. chainsaw 3 is fine and then like you get into the weird timeline of the reboots and the remakes yes. so yeah i think i'm i'm good if we just sort of like wipe all of that clean and be like here's a direct sequel yeah um 
a couple films that I don't know. We don't know if they're coming out in 2021. The idea is maybe, but also it could be 2022. <laughs> um, False Positive from A24, which was directed... Is that the one? Alana Glazer. Um, okay. It's directed by John Lee, written by Lee and Alana Glazer, who everyone probably knows Alana Glazer from Broad City. Right. Um, also in it is Justin Thoreau, uh, Sophia Bush, Josh Hamilton, and Pierce Brosnan. Um, but all we know about it, literally the only thing we really know about it is that it's meant to be some sort of contemporary take on Rosemary's Baby. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's being produced by A24, which is always a good sign. Yep. Um, they began filming in 2019. They probably are done filming. Um, Hulu this past December got the rights for distribution. Um, don't know yet if it's going to be theatrical release, when it's going to be released, or what have you. We just know that Hulu has the rights when it eventually uh, okay. does its thing. Um, I'm pretty jazzed about that. Hopefully. Yeah, that would, I, I'd be up for that. I did. Did you watch the Rosemary's Baby miniseries from a couple years I ago? I did not. It's not good. Yeah, no, I heard it wasn't that great. I was like, ooh, a contemporary, you know, sort of refresh of one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Like, let's see what you do. It wasn't. Yeah. Which I got from the, like, um, I saw a couple reviews of the early episodes that was like, nah, so. Yeah, it was, it was disappointing. Uh, another one, this is a TV series, not... Um, a movie, but okay. Flanagan's Midnight Mass may oh, or may not come out next year. <laughs> have you seen the the official poster? I have not seen the official. Oh poster. my god! I think I saw a fan poster, but I didn't see the the official one. Um, but that stars a lot of people you'll recognize from his work, including Kate Siegel, uh, Rahul Kohli. Um, I think my Michael body Trucco is right. is a common one potentially. Um, the dad, the the kid, I, I like to call him the kid from E.T. I believe he is involved in this somehow. <laughs> Henry Thomas, that's his real name. <laughs> I was like, I just like calling him the kid from E.T. dad from Hill House. But um, yeah, so basically the premise of this um, is a creepy priest shows up to this small town. That's all we know. That's all we know. Um, they had started filming and then it got disrupted and they started filming again in the summer and they wrapped up at the end of 2020. So right. make them up. I'm, I'm going to guess, honestly, this might be the October Flanagan release for Netflix, but we don't have an official date yet. I think that would be the wisest choice on their part. Um, but I'll, I'll obviously take it anytime. Yeah. Um, no, I think it'll be, it's going to be, I mean, the cast, obviously the cast is going to say good things, um, but just from people who worked on it, they seem to think it's a really, it's a really good um, series. I, someone on, on Twitter the other day was like, I can't remember if they said it or if there's an article out there somewhere where I was like, is Midnight Mass a secret sequel to Bly Manor? Yeah, and he was like, no. And Mike Flanagan did a quote tweet, and he was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. I was like, no, if anything, it's secretly his adaptation of Revival, which I know he's also su- which he's also supposed to be doing because he's directing Rev- the yeah. Revival film. Yeah, and it's like, okay, if you're gonna start shit, at least like be thoughtful about it. Exactly. Like, at least like look into what. And like, whatever. I get it. I'm a Mike Flanagan stan, but like. Yeah. Look into what he's doing. Yeah, which is so funny because when I saw this, I was like, I know he's doing Revival. This sounds really similar. (laughs) It does sound similar. I haven't read Revival yet. Have you? I have not read it. I know the plot, though. Yeah. It's essentially, you know, a priest comes to a town and does creepy shit. Um, Right. So, I don't know, but pretty excited about this one. Um, Yeah, I'm excited about that. So, may or may not. I'm going to guess it's going to be October of this year, but who knows. Um, I'm also really excited about uh, The Green Knight. Yes. Oh, my God. I was so upset. That was one of the ones that got pushed back. It was supposed to come out in May 2020. Obviously didn't. Um, Had an amazing trailer. That trailer is one of the best I've seen in a long time. Really cool. Really cool premise. um, Really cool cast. And obviously didn't come out. Yeah, right now it's slated for July 30th of this year. Okay, I feel like that could be doable. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, no, that was one. Uh-huh. We, I had a plan, like, we had a whole plan. There was this woman at work who was, like, one of the people who's, like, I'm getting into horror, can you give me lists? But also, when she found out about this, she's, like, I fucking love Sir Gawain and the Green Knight in high school. So I was, like, great, we're going to go get brunch and go sit. Yeah, exactly. And then we never did. And it's, like... I feel like it's like, I don't know. I'm or I'm hoping that it's going to be like, it's going to kick off like a resurgence of all of those like seventies, eighties, dark fantasy horror things, mm-hmm. you know, that like has been absent for such a long time and sort of like rebirth. The dark crystal. Um, and it's and it's a twenty four and like I. No, the whole thing. I'm very I'm very jazzed about. So I'll be excited to. To get to finally see it. Yeah, I think that's going to be really good. Um, Antlers, I think, also looks mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. That was pushed back. Um, it's directed by Scott Cooper, who did Sinister. Um, no, I'm sorry, that was Scott Derrickson. Scott Cooper did something that I can't remember. <laughs> but but um, that trailer, which we saw last year is insanely creepy. Um, it's based on a story by Nick and Tosca. It's supposed to be about a Wendigo. Um, which I feel like Wendigos in horror were really big in like the nineties and then yeah. disappeared. <laughs> yeah. And then Charlie disappeared. Um, and yeah, it looks, it looks really eerie. Um, and I think, I don't, see it i think guillermo del toro is producing interesting okay um so yeah antlers looks looks really solid um what else is supposed to come out that oh uh godzilla versus kong yes which is supposed to be our big creature feature thing of the year mm-hmm. um that's got a lot of people excited adam wingard is directing um 
which is probably a good sign. Oh, last night in Soho. Yes, I've been seeing things about that. That looks really good. Edgar Wright's new movie about um, a uh, fashion designer who um, suddenly finds herself in 1960s London. With the creepiest Um, Matt Smith one could imagine. Yes, the creepiest Matt Smith is in that. And also my new favorite actress of all time, Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, boy. Who, um, Who I did like always um because of her work when she came on the scene in split and the witch Mm -hmm. but of course who has recently gotten a lot of attention for emma and the queen's gambit Mm -hmm. uh, from last year she is also going to be um in this movie and it just looks it looks like straight up horror like no mixed messages like that weird, stupid thing where people are like, eh, it's actually a thriller. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Exciting stuff. Nice. We got a great year ahead. And that's we what we're going to focus good. on, kids. We do have a good year ahead. And um, a couple other things that we really don't know a lot about, like um, Malignant, which mm-hmm. is James Wan's new movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Apparently, it's supposed to like be inspired by the Italian giallos of the 1970s. Okay. Um, probably going to be pretty good. Don't really know anything else beyond that. Um, Psycho Goreman, which comes out actually in a couple days, um, which is supposed to be a creature feature, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Also kind of looks like a slasher. I'm not entirely sure. Interesting. Um, what else? Oh, The Queen of Black Magic. Mm-hmm. Definitely looking forward to that one. Um, takes place in, in an orphanage, I think. Or from what I oh my gosh. have gathered. Interesting. Uh, Near Marshall's new movie, The Reckoning. Um, he directed The Descent mm-hmm. and soldiers which, which i do love the descent i love the descent dog soldiers is like a perfect werewolf movie really curious to see what um the reckoning looks like i i think it's about a witch okay um and um oh and uh saint Maud. yes that was, was was that supposed to come out in 2020 it was supposed to come out yeah last yeah about um so i remember very, seeing the trailer for that too yeah that's a really good trailer about like a an at-home nurse mm-hmm. who might be too religious yeah um <laughs> that was supposed to come out last year it's supposed to, i don't think it has a release date for this year but mm-hmm. it got pushed so um Lots of uh, lots of good stuff coming this way, assuming everything is relatively um, on track. Yes, lots of good stuff and lots of hope for seeing the best of the good stuff in theaters again. Yeah. So that's, that's my have, hope. Yeah, that's what that we have to look forward to, kids. Yeah. Well, if there's something that 
is on your radar listeners mm-hmm. that is supposed to come out this year, um, definitely get at us and yes. tell us about it. Or get at us and tell us about what you're most excited about for this year. Like, are you really, really jazzed for Halloween Kills? Or are you stomping your feet in anticipation for Candyman? Or you just can't wait until you can get a big bowl of popcorn to see the new Conjuring movie? Let us no. Yes. Uh, there's lots of ways you can do that. Miss Mel, would you be kind enough to tell them how? I would be. So you can tweet at us at splatterchatter666, minus all the vowels. If that's too difficult, just search splatterchatter. We will pop right on up. Uh, you can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. Bonus points if you can tell us if you're an old, old school listener and can tell us why it's 669 and not 666. Um, if you know, let us know. Um, you can slide into our DMs on Tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. Um, we had an Instagram. It is currently on. I need to figure it out. <laughs> but we're working on it. So soon you will be able to check us out on there too once again. Uh, you can leave comments on the blog, which is splatter-chatter.com. We've got all our lists for 2020, if you missed them, up on the blog. And Mr. Grinders can tell you about how you can become more involved, should you so desire. If you're one of those people that loves to express your affection through financial donations, definitely donate to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash splatterchatter666. There's all kinds of rewards that you get in exchange for your financial donation. But honestly, we will just be very happy to take a rating and a review on either uh, Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or Stitcher. Um, Those are all great ways that um, you can show your appreciation and that will sort of um, boost us in uh, ratings and algorithms. So by all means, we would be incredibly grateful for that. Now this is going to wrap up sort of our 2020 reflection and our 2021 um, hopefuls, I guess things Mm -hmm. we're, we're looking forward to Uh, November brings both um, black history month and women in horror month. So we haven't settled on what we're going to cover. Did you say November or February? Did I hear? Uh, who knows what I, I We meant February in my brain. I heard November, but I just want to make sure. I meant February. I could have very well said November for reasons beyond anyone's <laughs> But anyway. I've had a little bit of wine. No. <laughs> the point is next month brings a lot. Yes. And we don't know what we're covering, so I can't plug that for you, aside from the fact that I can say it's going to be great, whatever we cover, mm-hmm. and you should definitely tune in. But until that point, <laughs> you should be sure to keep up the creep. And for now, we're going to say au revoir, adios. <laughs>